Have you ever struggled with something your pastor preached that went directly against your way of life? When that happens, it can seem like a daunting task to upend the status quo and follow the leading of God. As anyone who's gone through that knows, on the other side, it gets better. Following God always will work out well for us, even if it's difficult to see how it ever could. Here in PNG, we found some things that to us are simple truths of the Christian life, but upend cultural norms in a faith-testing way. I'm Justin Dye, and this is So What's It Really Like? So over the course of, you know, preaching and teaching, and obviously I'm preaching every week for Sunday and then for Wednesday, and then there's extra extra classes and stuff, kids stuff that we do, and, and Kaylee, you've been... Uh, working with the ladies in ladies class, mm-hmm. um, doing a good job with that, of course. Um, we've got even some people are getting saved there, yes. and it's a, primarily a discipleship class. Uh, but preaching and teaching and trying to get familiar with our people, trying to get um, really down to the nitty-gritty with our people, we've actually found uh, some pictures or parables or principles that are easy to us and we've already you know we've grown up with some of these uh, easy to understand for us easy to apply for us we found it kind of difficult here in new guinea to communicate some of that and uh i think we we each have we each picked a story uh where it was kind of one of those one of those moments where i'm sitting here thinking about wow i gotta i gotta really tread carefully here not changing the scripture or anything like that of course but um, how to apply it right. And you found a picture too uh, mm-hmm. that I'm sure just about everybody who's going to listen to this is familiar with. Right. Um, but our ladies kind of stumbled on it. Yes. So we were going through Proverbs 31 in our ladies class and we got to verse 10 where it says that um, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. Um Several years ago, Justin bought me a ruby necklace and earring set. So I found that and I brought it out to show them a ruby because they'd probably never seen one before. And so I was just telling them, you know, the price of this tiny ruby, you know, it's it's very expensive and just showing them this necklace and, and trying to get the point across that, you know, a virtuous woman is valuable to God and all of that. But when I told them the price of this necklace, they just all kind of shook their heads and went, <laughs> which is kind of their expression of disbelief yeah, or... It's their wow. Yeah. <laughs> so we went on with class, but then after class, we just kind of sit and talk for a while. And uh, I asked them you know, did you like the necklace? Do you think the ruby is pretty? And they all said, oh, yes, yes, it's very pretty. But it kind of sparked a, a conversation of just the differences between between the U.S. and Papua New Guinea um, because to them, the thought of jewels and precious gems and stuff, it really never crosses their mind to consider owning anything like that like they were shocked at the price of it and the the thought of 
spending that much money on one tiny thing. Well, wasn't it wasn't it like just, a couple Sundays ago where we had come and some of the ladies were wearing they were wearing they rings. They had little, on their, yeah. But they were if you shook their hand and you touched it, it was like just like a little aluminum yeah. band or something, yep. a tin band. Yeah, it's not that they don't like pretty things or like getting dressed up and all that stuff. It's just the thought of precious gems. They they would never expect to own one. And so they just really doesn't really they don't really think about it. Yeah. The way the way they they would dress up, it's it's partly in their clothes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be their cleaner and brighter pieces of clothing. Mm-hmm. The ladies are going to put on nicer headscarves or sometimes they'll put a flower in their hair or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's all very natural still. And uh it really anybody can any of those women can do that. And here we are just carrying stuff that it's snatchable and stealable mm-hmm. and, you know, even when you're not wearing it, it's sitting in your house and someone could just take it and it just, because of all those reasons, really, it's already hard and then, you know, they would rather put their money somewhere else. Yeah, that was part of the discussion was just the amount of things that Americans have to spend money on and the the, the fact that so many pieces of our lives revolve around money and here they just if they need to buy something they'll grow a little bit of extra food in their garden and go to the market and sell it and when they don't need money anymore they don't sell stuff at the market so it's just a very different mindset and it was just very interesting to me trying to explain this use this picture of a ruby to explain you know a virtuous woman's value and it was yeah, something it's, it's, that they never really need to think about. Because <laughs> even our scripture, you know, Israel was at one time the most affluent country of its age before they declined and went into captivity. And so even all those pictures of wealth and and having gold and having jewels and, it, you know, it's even tied into their worship where... Uh, the priest had to wear uh, the the ephod, and it had all kinds of meaning, and everything was 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 covered in gold. Our culture doesn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. Our our culture wraps things in leaves, and flowers, and and wood, mm-hmm. and that's how we beautify things. And so, so even you know we think of Americans, you know we've got more money, or we live more sumptuously than the Israelites did, maybe just as a function of our place in history. But then you come to some place like New Guinea, and there's other there's other countries around the world like New Guinea where I mean, their frame of reference for that affluence is just not there. And so then you're saying, you need to be a lady like this. And they're going, I don't know what that But I don't like. need that. I don't <laughs> want that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so different. It's so different. And so one of the things that, I had found um, over the past couple of months, uh, I've preached a different, a couple different sermons on uh, forgiveness, reconciliation, and then last week I preached on confession, which obviously we confess to God um, at, at, to take care of that relationship. But there is an amount of admission of guilt that a Christian should have built in for your testimony's sake, and so. 
this again to me as a kid growing up even you know (laughs) you need to forgive your brothers and sisters for being jerks to you or you need to reconcile for being a jerk to your brother or sister and then there's confession where you you admit wrong or you face the punishment for lying and our girls are going through that training and it, it just seems very standard to me and then when you grow up and you're you're functioning in a in a church uh, it's kind of it, it's already there it's built in and so we come here and uh, just just their economy these three principles forgiveness reconciliation and confession these three principles affect their economy in ways that I didn't realize. Um, you know, if if there's any kind of wrong done, if you if you <laughs> if you uh, you know, it feels very much like the Old Testament. You know, if you kill an animal that belongs to somebody else, you're you're going to be on the hook financially for that. And uh, I know we've got some of that in the U.S., but I'm telling you, it's at a different level here. It's tied to everything. Um, you know, if if you uh, you know, if your if your teen boy goes off and does something with a teen girl, you're on the hook for bride price, and they're going to sit there and they're going to argue that she was the smartest person in the whole community, and she's the most beautiful, and she had her whole life ahead of her, and then you know she got with your son, so you owe us all this kind of money, and then the other side's going to be arguing the whole time. No, she can't read or write, and she has one tooth, and you know it. All this will go, extreme statements will be made to try and set that price. And uh, even we had some visitors, my sister and and Kelly from our church came and they got to see a New Guinea house cry. And, uh, you know, when we rolled up into the house line, we're looking and at first it looks like they're grieving. And then as I'm translating pigeon to them and telling them what's getting discussed, uh, you find out that this grieving husband who is now a widower his family is standing up for him and basically they're negotiating how much his family is going to pay back to her family for the time that he had her for. And, you know, she she died two days ago. And here you are discussing thousands of dollars uh, worth of price. So everything in this culture has that kind of uh, money attached to it. You, you get married and you are paying out. You uh, you wrong somebody. You're paying out. This happened in our church uh, d- just last week. We're dealing with this with a situation, and uh, man, it, it's hard. There's bargaining all over the place. So when you think about that, right? When you think about there's bargaining, and and you have stuff done to you, and you get paid, and you don't necessarily spend that because something's gonna happen where somebody's gonna die from your family or somebody's gonna. Uh, get married and you're going to have to contribute because you're part of the family. And so all this money kind of stays in their back pocket. They never really use it, it seems like. And uh, they just kind of wait. And then these outrageous amounts of monies are being handed about uh, at funeral, court, and everything in between. And uh, so to establish that market price, here's where forgiveness, reconciliation, and confession come in. I, like I said, to establish that market price... Uh, you got to argue about it. 
And so when I'm sitting there saying, hey, listen, you guys got to forgive, which I mean, they, they love forgiveness. They know that they're sinners. They know that they deserve to go to hell. They know that they've done wrong. They know that they're not really valuable as human beings, except for the value that we have imparted to us by the blood of Christ. And they're, they're all about that. And then I preach to them, they need to forgive. And they're like, yeah, I need, I need my friend to forgive me for what I did. And I'm saying, no, you need to forgive your friend for what he did. If you did wrong, you have to reconcile. And, you know, when they start forgiving, and the Bible examples are, a lot of it has to do with debt. A lot of it has to do with money owed to you or wrong done to you. Because a lot of those references, you know, we, we, pulled, some, we pulled some references out of Matthew, and some of that's dealing with that changeover from the Old Testament law where prices were already set to New Testament grace and how Christ is dealing with you. And so they sit there, and uh, if they're owed money, man, they want that. And they'll wait years for that, uh, and they'll sit there. And I'm, I'm trying to tell them, hey, as a Christian, you got to be willing to forgive there and let that go. I've got a couple, I've got a couple pastors who owe me just a couple dollars worth of money. And every once in a while, they'll bring it up, and they'll say, I'm so sorry. I'm like, hey, listen, it's no problem. If I never get that back, it's okay. If you feel like you need to do that, okay, that's fine. But I'm not sitting here thinking evil of you. And for them, that's a little bit of a stark contrast because it would not be that way if I were New Guinean. And then, you know, reconciliation. Again, you're, 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 these outrageous sums of money go out. And man, it can make you destitute really quick if you mess up. And that's that's part of something we're careful about in our ministry when we're out driving on the roads. Man, if I hit a dog, that dog, it's like <laughs> the dog, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an animal hater by any means. We have a dog here. But if you hit a dog, these these bush mutt dogs are worth nothing. They're, they're actually a nuisance because they're just, they, they breed like rabbits over here and they're running around in packs and sometimes the cup, the population has to get cut down, but that worthless dog, if I, as a, as a, as a missionary, an American missionary, hit them in my car, man, that, that dog suddenly is a hundred dollar dog and I'm <laughs> the paying. The best hunting dog yeah. in the village. He caught so many animals <laughs> with me. We had so many good trips. It's like, come on, you don't even feed this dog. Yeah, but we, we just love him. No, you don't. But now I'm on the hook for that. And as a Christian, making that restitution, reconciling that is is on me. And for them to forgive that and for them to need to pay that, man, it creates such an imbalance in their culture. And then you move down to confession. And like I said, uh, <laughs> house cry takes at least three days longer if it's somebody important. And most of that time is spent debating who's getting paid how much. And in reconciliation, or in, in confession, right, we, we've got scripture about how we are supposed to say our sins to God to re re repair that relationship. And again, obviously, I'm not advocating for you to confess to a man. We're not Catholic here. Uh, I, I believe our high priest is uh, Jesus Christ, and we've got that priesthood of the believer. We can go directly and take care of all that. Um, but there is something to be said about repairing your relationship with your brother, and sometimes that means admitting wrong and we as as children of god members of a local church it's incumbent upon us to keep a good testimony to them that are without and to do that 
sometimes we need to admit wrong. I mean, when we've done wrong, we have to admit to wrong. You don't hide it. We don't cover it up. We don't believe that's right. We don't, uh, you know, we we don't cover for for people in the church who've done things worthy of 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 law enforcement and 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 criminal charges. I know our home church, our sending church has a policy about that where, listen, we're not going to hide that. And I, I think that's wise. I think it's biblical. And so when we get into this culture and when our guys are trying to behave as Christians and lead their family as Christian men, and I say, hey, you got to admit you're wrong, man, it removes all the bargaining chips culturally that they would have. So not only am I trying to push them to forgive things that people have against them, which takes money out of their pocket, and to reconcile the, cor- the correct way and, 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 and behave that way, man, now they're paying out when maybe they forgave someone, but some heathen person is unwilling to forgive them and, and let them <laughs> let, let bygones be bygones. So now they didn't get income and they're paying out. Not only that, but when it's time to to discuss all this, which again is almost like a sport here in New Guinea, uh, you know, some guys are just really good at it. For you to stand up right at the beginning of negotiations and go, "Nope, I did that. I was wrong," and raise your hand up and admit to that, you just lost all your ground, all all of your standing, and you're gonna get. If if those people are not merciful towards you, man, they're gonna smell blood in the water and they're gonna come after you, and then the community will back them up because of how you behaved. And so teaching, teaching this, man, again, forgiving, right? I know it's not easy, but it's a tenant of Christianity. And reconciliation, again, I know it's not easy, but it's something like, okay, I was wrong. I got to make it right. In the church, if there's problems, if, it, if it's you, it's, a, it's your responsibility to go make that right and to apologize and try and, and make things as right as possible. And we've got all kinds of scripture for that. And then confessing wrong, admitting guilt when when really it was you, so that we can fix the situation and move on. And things that are this basic and that that just clear for us as Americans, man, it it messes them up. And it puts them at a disadvantage in their culture. And so here here we are as missionaries, right? And our our job is to affect the culture. And affect people. We are. We are, I'm not here to make Americans. I'm here to make Christians. But Christians don't necessarily look like Papua New Guineans, just like Christians don't always look like Americans. And it's one of those areas where you gotta walk in faith and trust that God is gonna give you that influence, or God's gonna supply the need, or or something. And and really, I've we've had to present it like that, you know, to these women who don't have that example we're saying well you might not understand it but here's the level of behavior that you need and i know your husband might beat you and i know he might get drunk but you have to do that and you gotta trust god to stand up for you and as i'm sitting here talking with my men and saying here's your responsibility in the community and they're sitting there and i and again we see it especially the second term now that you know now that we're a little bit closer to our people and having gone and come and they've shown some care for us we see how some of this affects them um, more than maybe we realized in the first time. And it's just one of those interesting things. It's interesting to us, at least, how, you know, there are some hard truths for Americans. And, uh, you know, it's it's a hard truth as an American to, to realize that 
you know, we're on a pilgrimage. And the kingdom of our nation, the America, is not necessarily set apart for God. And I know we've got a rich history, and I'm all for fighting uh, for the things of God when we still have an opportunity. And, and praise the Lord, our country has that. But our country's no Israel. And we're living in a time where <laughs> our our efforts are for eternal only, really. The souls we save, or uh, the souls we witness to, and the people we disciple, man, it's for eternal weight of glory. And that's a hard thing for an American because we're we are very nationalistic, uh, especially depending on you know it, I'm from a military family, so I'm a hundred percent down that line. And depending on where you are in the country, that's a hard truth to swallow. And for New Guinea, it's a little bit different. There's different truths. Some things, man, it it comes really easy. Pastoral authority, super easy because mm-hmm. they've already lived in a tribal lifestyle where. They elect a chief and say, hey, we'll follow you to the end of the earth. Just, you know, try not to steer us off a cliff. And then you get in there and say, okay, a pastor is your, uh, he's your shepherd. He's your spiritual authority that God's placed here to help you be more Christ-like. And no, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, have more influence than Bible. And no, he doesn't go to Christ for you. But man, he's there to help you. And they go, yeah, we've been doing that already. We <laughs> Look, meet our counsel. He's our chief. He's the guy who, uh, he, he leads us. And it takes off real well. But some of this other stuff, man, it's like hitting the stump. And you see them and the amount of faith it takes for them to take lessons. That I mean, honestly, Kaylee, when you're writing a lesson about being a virtuous woman, to you, that's not like a deep truth. It might be a hard to attain truth, mm-hmm. but it's not confusing or hard to comprehend. No. And then... We sit there and the, the picture goes out the window and we're, we're trying to explain the picture so that we can explain the truth. Mm-hmm. Or I'm preaching stuff to them that directly contradicts their culture. And, uh, man, it gets hard. you got to pray for a lot of wisdom there. And and, uh, and you got to know your people. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a sneak preview of a, of a podcast that we're going to be recording and, and airing is just talking about what our relationship is with our people, what it's really like to essentially pastor a church in a third world country. As long as I'm working with them, I'm functioning as a pastor. And man, that that really helps when you get in with them and you start to smell like them and you start to eat like them a little bit and you you can fellowship with them on that level. And they're not ashamed of, you know, their house for you to come inside and they're not ashamed to come to your place. And and it's good, but it opens up all these little cans of worms. So... If you're praying for us, man, pray that we our eyes are opened and that we recognize some of these things and can lead them through them the way we ought to. And then just pray for us to have some wisdom. So wisdom and understanding. Definitely we need that when we're working here. Again, Kaylee's got you've got some some tough cases mm-hmm. with some of those ladies you're working with. And and again, I've I've said it I think I said it on Facebook in one of one of my testimonies there or something. I am working with one of the roughest guys that I personally know. Just some of the stuff that he's admitted from his old life. I'm sitting there like, man, we got to stop talking. Because I'm getting upset. <laughs> Maybe Christ has forgiven you. And I wasn't even there for any of this. But this, you, you don't understand how this affects me. And we definitely need that. That wisdom and understanding. How to apply stuff. And, you know, I, I testified when we reported back after coming back with Maddie. That, how baptisms was 
water baptism was such a fight that I've, I've never seen before. And here it was a big deal. And here confessing, admitting guilt is such a big deal. So that's what it's really like, though. You end up finding these little stumps in the road, these little stones that kind of trip you up, where you thought you had a good handle on culture, and all of a sudden we're trying to apply Christian, godly culture to it. And, uh, man, it, the, the two fight. And uh, I'm sure if, if there's any pastors listening to this, again, this closely mirrors, it, it's not the same battles, but these kinds of battles are all across the U.S. And we have our own fights back in the U.S. But, man, that's what it's really like here. It's not necessarily all spiritism, also, although there's some of that there. It's not necessarily uh, people shooting bows and arrows at you or shooting at you and... Uh, and some of that definitely happens, and missionaries, other missionaries have those stories, and maybe we'll have them someday. Uh, but man, this is what it's like for us right here, right now, trying to parse some of these cultural things and reconcile it with the Bible. So, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for keeping up with us. We've gotten a lot of good feedback on this. We've got a lot of good episode ideas coming up. And uh, uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us, discuss anything we've talked about on the podcast, or if you want to uh, ask questions, maybe something we can answer on the podcast, uh, contact us on Facebook. You can do it through the podcast page. You can do it through me. Find me on, on Facebook, Justin Die, Or you can email us anytime at dies.png at gmail.com. That's our last name, D-Y-E-S at, or sorry, D-Y-E-S dot P-N-G at gmail.com. We always reply to emails as much as possible, as long as they don't get sent to our spam folder for some reason. And we love talking with people. We love hearing people pray for us and and, uh, keep up with us and take interest in some of this stuff. So thanks for listening and uh, learning what it's really like in Papua New Guinea.